Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. I am so glad to be back with you and uh, just love Pastor Gary and Pam. And uh, please keep praying for them while they're on sabbatical. Just a time to be refreshed, fresh vision, fresh insight, fresh plans from the Lord for all that he wants to do, not just in this house, but in the villages and around the world. Amen. Grace Tabernacle is a global church. You heard Paula talking about missions and mission giving and And I'm so grateful. I think this, that the church that reaches the furthest usually has the greatest impact near. Because Jesus didn't say, go ye into all of Florida. Come on. He said to go into all the world. And and it's the same heart to reach the world that inspires us to reach our neighborhood. Amen. Amen. And so, so grateful. We are so grateful for your partnership. And we, we just love what God's doing here. And what a great opportunity. You know, many of the places we go don't have thousands of people moving in every year that are saying, we have needs. We have everything we need financially, but we have needs. We need the gospel. And that's who we are. Amen. Amen. We're shopping is a pleasure. When we go there, we're gospel carriers. Amen. That's who we are here in Florida. And it's a great privilege. And I hope you see yourself that way. And I just want to encourage you today. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. Beth's dad did pass into eternity this past Wednesday, and we uh, just felt like it, uh, that what was going on, I needed to be here. And, you know, I, I told uh, Renee and Sue, you know, you, you, you can do so much sitting around, and, and, you know, she needs to be with the Lord too, not just me. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and get my big old head out of the way and let the Lord be with her. And so we'll be back together here in a little while, and uh, it'll be wonderful. So thank you for your prayers. Um, Haven't my friends been amazing the last month? Haven't you enjoyed them? Wow. I've caught a little bit of it on video. I hope to catch it all before it's all said and done. And and, uh, just, it was just, I didn't do it on purpose. We didn't do it on purpose, but we sent more of our, like, evangelist early, and now we're coming in with pastors and started with Pastor Jay, and isn't he a blessing? Amen. My goodness, and uh, um, he's a girls basketball coach now. Did he tell you that? <laughs> and uh, among other things, just a huge blessing. Amen. And then next week, uh, Pastor Chris Jones from Heritage Church will be here, and, and uh, Pastor Chris uh, and I planted a church together in the Atlanta area. He was my associate pastor in Central Florida, North Central Florida there in Lake City. And then when we uh, uh, got moved on to our next assignment, he and his wife as faithful sons and daughters took on that church and they've been leading it for uh, uh, maybe 15 years. I I don't know, I can't keep up, but incredible. And uh, we were texting yesterday, so excited for him to be here. And, And then the end of the month leading you on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve is a true friend and spiritual son, Tyson Schroeder will be here and and uh, Tyson's been involved with, with churches in Auburndale and Tarpon Springs and uh, is, was a campus pastor for Southeastern University. And you're going to be so blessed to have him here. He's a brilliant young man with um, 
uh, more letters than the alphabet, and he just is full of the Holy Ghost and will preach the gospel and, uh, and lead you in a wonderful family time on Christmas Eve, too. And so you'll want to be here. It's going to be fantastical. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of Joseph and Mary. And what do you do when you get unexpected news? So if you've got your Bibles, flip over to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be reading you a lot, a lot of Scripture. Is that okay? Is it okay if we have a lot of Scripture? You know, Paul said to Timothy, until I come, entertain the people with cute little stories. Is that what he said? No, no, no. He said, give yourself to the reading of Scripture. And you know, I want you to hear something from me, but anything I have to say pales compared to the living word of God. Amen? Amen. So we are going to read a lot of scripture. <clears throat> and uh, Luke, Luke chapter 1. I want to make sure what I have matches the screen. I tinker with these things, and so I don't want Jenny to, Jenny to give me a, a citation. <laughs> I, I need one most of the time. All right, uh, starting in verse 26. Yeah, New King James Version, Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth and to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Amen. And behold... Let me tell you something. If you write in your Bible, you got your paper Bible, if you have a digital Bible, I love you, bless you, but man... If you have your paper Bible, <laughs> circle the word behold. Pay attention. Look, watch this. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. If I could sing like Terry, I would say, and there's something about that name. Come on, y'all. And you shall call him Jesus. And he will be great. Psalm 104 says you are very great. You are great and you will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Yeah. Now flip over to Luke. Excuse me, that is Luke. Flip back to Matthew. Chapter 1. In verse 18, right? Yeah. Now the birth of Jesus Christ is as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, behold, they came, before they came together, 
she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. When Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, but while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, Lord, we're asking that you would come and speak. Lord, you have spoken by your word. Your word is settled in heaven forever. You watch over your word to establish it and perform it. And for, Father, we believe now that you would take my words and anoint them with your spirit that we would hear from you today. God, that we would leave this place with faith, hope, and love. And that we too would be messengers of this gospel everywhere we go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I wonder if you have really thought about what you do when you get unplanned news, unexpected news. When your life circumstances thrust you into uncharted waters. So often in modern society, we run to the phone to call someone, and that's not necessarily wrong. Or we run to social media to get someone's attention. That's not necessarily all wrong. <laughs> and it's a struggle. It's a struggle when you get the phone call. It's a struggle when you go through the breakup. It's a struggle when she looks at you, he looks at you and says, I don't love you anymore. It's, it's a struggle when the doctor says we've done all we can do. It's a struggle when the company closes or you receive a pink slip. It's a struggle when you see your savings evaporated. It's just those things are struggle. Those things are difficult moments. But I've got good news for you this morning. The eternal word of God speaks to us at every moment in our lives. And we're not the first people that have ever been through unexpected moments. And here in the Christmas story, we see two people that are confronted with unplanned, unexpected moments. Amen. And I believe that as we watch how they respond and have, more importantly, how God responds to them, that it's gonna be hope for our souls, strength to our spirit, and joy to our lives, amen? amen. If you look in Luke chapter one, verses 30 and 32, I just read it to you, but let me read it again. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be the son of the most high, and the Lord God will be with him. Verse 38, now watch, Mary responds, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Joseph has a similar moment. 
But while he thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. For Mary, your wife, that is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth the Son and call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel commanded him, and he took his wife. Let me give you a little context, a little backdrop, and some of you know this, but a Jewish wedding celebration, a Jewish wedding arrangement in antiquity is very different from today. They didn't buy flowers, get a wedding planner necessarily, and, you know, become a bridezilla. But there were three, what? There were three different steps in a Jewish, uh, the Jewish world at this time. First, there was the engagement or the betrothal where the groom or the groom's family would go to the bride's father and the bride's family, and watch this now, pay the bride price, and there was an exchange of wine and bread very similar to what we would call communion. Did you know that? And then there was the promise, and that would begin what we would call this, this year-long engagement, this year, at least a year-long betrothal, and it was legally binding in their culture, and during this time, they could actually publicly be known as man and wife, even though they had not come together yet and weren't living together. And that's why there would have to be a legal divorce or action taken if the betrothal was broken. And then after that time, the year or so, the, the celebration would happen at the hoopah, the tent, the, the, the tabernacle there. And watch this, this is very cool, because I've done some Jewish weddings. So at a Jewish wedding, the bride, watch, somebody's about to get blessed. Do y'all have runners here? So at a Jewish wedding, the bride doesn't come down the aisle to the groom. The groom goes and gets his bride. How many know we're waiting for that day? Come on, somebody. I don't have time to preach that this morning, but there's, there's a lot. But can you, can you imagine the shock first for Mary when an angel visits her and says, uh, you're going to conceive what? And she says, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know a man. And then Joseph hears, and the scripture's not clear. The scripture doesn't tell us if she told him or if the gossip train told him. People don't, I know people don't gossip here in Florida, but um, <laughs> where I live, I can just imagine, you know, people are saying, oh, Mary's parents, don't you feel sorry for her? She was such a good girl, you know. Poor Joseph. Or, you know we couldn't trust Joseph. All these lies, rumors, just running around. And then Joseph, I love the text, the scripture. The text says, Joseph being a just man. And he has to choose. Just like Mary had to choose to say yes, Joseph has to choose. Yes. Notice this. This isn't in my notes, okay, but, but one of the brothers prayed for me in the prayer room, and it's so right. I just want to share it with you. He, he laid hands on me. He said, fear, where fear is tolerated, faith is contaminated. And notice the first thing the angel says to both of them is, It's really, if you'll go through scripture, a phrase very similar is what an angel says every time they appear. 
You know, so when I was a pastor, not on earth, but on another planet, um, but people would come to me and say, I saw an angel. If they didn't have this crazy look in their eyes, I'd think, nah, I don't think so. Because <laughs> these are not the little fairy dust cherubs that we imagine. These are the fiery messengers of God. And when they appear, every prophet, priest, king, virgin is terrified. Whoa. God is speaking. And so Mary has this encounter and she has to choose. Here's our big idea today. Hopefully I'll reinforce it with us all the way through. You ready? God's love brings clarity to difficult circumstances. Now, Now here's the challenge for us as human beings. Watch, watch, watch. Is we have to posture ourselves in love to receive love because, and to receive it with love and then act with love because if not, we'll go off willy-nilly. How many of you have ever been in a family experience or business experience or some kind of experience with people when unexpected news comes and it's like chicken little? The sky's falling. They run around crazy and they usually hurt other people and hurt themselves. Make stupid decisions. Do things off the cuff, out of character. I hear sometimes people go, well, I was mad, so I just went ahead and did it. What? Like somehow God's going to go, that's okay. You go ahead and sin because you were mad. How many know that's not the God of the Bible? He's holy. In every situation we go through, there is grace for us to walk through it, no matter how difficult. But we have to be postured in love, living in love, and receiving love. Now, now watch a second, because our, our society confuses love right now. Here's the first big truth. You ready? Love and truth are not mutually exclusive. I, I cannot deny truth to say I'm walking in love. Do you, you see these little, I've had a fun week, by the way. So I went to my dermatologist. You see these little marks on my head? Because I, I go once a year and they look me over and he saw a couple places that were unusual. So he said, I'm just going to zap them. <laughs> now what if he'd have looked at me and said look I love you I don't want to make you angry or uncomfortable so you've got two new freckles would that be love listen my friends what if the bridge one of these bridges uh, overpasses that you know all around 301 here what if one of those was out and you knew it was out and you had your friends coming and you saw them coming and you thought you know, I don't want to inconvenience them. They're going to, you know, the town square. They're going dancing. They're going to Walmart or they're going to, uh, start say Eckerd's, CVS. And it would be an inconvenience if I stopped them. So, hey, <laughs> is that love? My friends, there is a kind way to be direct. There's a kind way to speak the truth in love. That's why the scripture says in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. You see, but what we want to do is there are too many of us that love to speak. (laughs) That's backwards. And we see here in this moment, in this moment that love chooses truth. Now watch this again. Love and truth are not mutually exclusive. And what I mean by love chooses truth. 
Because love understands that truth is greater than facts. I'm going to hang out here for a minute, so just get ready. Fact, Mary is a virgin. That's a fact, right? So when she gets the revelation, when God speaks to the angel, she says, how can it be? I don't know a man. She speaks a fact. Fact number two, virgins don't have babies. That's a scientific fact. Amen? What about Joseph? Now, when Joseph found out, fact, Mary's pregnant by now, right? That's a fact. I mean, pretty soon the evidence will be showing. Amen. Fact number two, Joseph's not the father, and he knows he's not the father. No matter what they're saying at the town square, no matter what they're saying at the well, he knows. You see, but here's the truth of it. Facts are not the end of the story. Joseph and Mary knew the facts, but love tells the whole story. You see, what motivates Mary is this love for God. We don't have that clear in Scripture, but there's a love for God and a love for truth, and we see how she responds. What motivates Joseph? A love for truth, because it says he's just, he's waiting. And there's a love for truth, there's a love for God, there's a love for Mary. And I don't, I don't know, listen, listen, I don't know, and, and this is the same for all of us when we're confronted with the facts. We have to either trust our upbringing or the facts, or we must trust the Word of God. So many times in our lives, we have to choose. We have to choose between facts and truth. See, in your life this morning, in my life this morning, what's the fact? The fact might be your bank account. The fact might be that diagnosis. The fact might be the news. The fact might be the economy. The fact might be a plethora of things. But here's the truth. Truth is a person. John 14, 6, Jesus said, now watch this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the facts paint one picture, but truth declares, I'm your provider, I'm your healer, I am here, I'm your savior, I'm your Lord, I'm your righteousness, I'm your sanctifier, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water, I'm the way, I am salvation, I am hope. And in difficult, unexpected moments, we have to lean into him at the, at the ignoring of facts sometimes. Amen. What about our father in the faith, Abraham? He did it. It's not on the screen because I just added it this morning. John chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter four, verses 19 and 20. And not being weak in faith, this is Abraham, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, and he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You see, we have to learn to discern the source of information if we're going to walk in truth. We have to learn and begin to walk in discernment. We need discernment in this hour. How many know everything you see on television, everything that you see in the internet is not the truth? And see, we need to develop a love filter. Abraham Lincoln once said, you can't trust everything on the internet. Some of you will get that on Tuesday. <laughs> see, here, here's what we have to learn. Because I see the church being stuck in two ditches. Either that she has no discernment whatsoever, or I see people beginning to walk in suspicion and label it discernment. Yeah. Now, what's the difference in the two? Yeah. 
I knew you would ask me, so I'm ready to tell you. Ready? Discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit, so it flows from love. Suspicion flows from fear. Yeah. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we might have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. That's an affirmation to say yourself in the mirror every morning, isn't it? As you are, Jesus, so I am in the world. Verse 18, and there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. You see, suspicion divides, but discernment brings real connection. Because you can discern when you hear things if it's flowing from truth, lies, divine source, demonic source, or human source. And see, we need discernment, not just in church services, but we need discernment at the Circle K. We need discernment everywhere we go, when we interact with humans. When we see news, receive news, receive information, because suspicion divides, but love unites. We see Joseph and Mary in this moment is receiving this news that that unhinged them. Out of love, they chose truth over facts. Second thing is this, you ready? The second thing is love welcomes divine interruptions. Love welcomes divine interruptions. So I was in Nicaragua a number of years ago and I was down there preaching and I was at a mega church outside of Managua. There was, I don't know, several thousand people there. And when we finished preaching, the Holy Spirit showed up in a fantastic way and we were praying for people for healing and deliverance and miracles. And I had a group of students with me and a couple of students ran up to me and said, Pastor Eddie, Pastor Eddie, quick, 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 come, come. And I said, what? And I said, you go pray. You've been disciple. And they said, no, 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 you need to. We need you. So ran over there, and there was a teenage girl, maybe 14 years old, and she was crying. And, and they said, so I walked up there and got the translator, and I said, uh, my name is Eddie. And the translator said, uh, what? Te llamo Eduardo. And she goes, I speak English. <laughs> I said, probably not my kind. <laughs> but um, I started talking to her. And I said, tell me your story. And she said, my father was a professor at a university in Georgia. Some of you know where this is headed. And she said, when the Sandinistas lost power, he came back to university here to teach. And I'm a Georgian. I grew up in Georgia. I don't want to be here. And I'm mad. And she had grown up in a Catholic experience. That was her tradition. And I said, here's the rest of the story, young lady. I said, I'm here with a group from South Georgia. And I said, where did you live in Georgia? She said, Carrollton, Georgia. I started to cry. I said, I was a youth pastor there until last year. I said, there were some complications in my life and the church's life. And we went... And I said, I never wanted to leave. I could have retired there as far as I knew. But I know God's got me here with this group today. Amen. And I said, this is how much God loves you. That he sent this preacher from around the world, from the city that you used to live in, to tell you, you must be born again. Amen. She received the Lord that day, and she's following the Lord today. Come on, somebody give him glory. Amen. 
See, but it was a divine interruption to my life. It was a divine interruption in her life. And Mary and Joseph needed divine interruptions. They needed God to speak to them right where they were. You see, for for them, it's an interruption. You take Mary, it was an interruption to her plan. Who knows what, you know, she was probably thinking, what's our life going to be like? And, and then she, the angel visits her and she's pregnant and then he tells her, this is God. And Joseph is thinking, am I going to put her away? You know, at the max he could have put her away, he could have had her killed. And the angel of the Lord visits him in a dream. Listen, sometimes in unsettling moments, we have to trust that God's going to break in. And speak to us. Amen. Now listen, he, don't, he won't always speak through an angel, but he can. Yes. Sometimes he speaks through his holy word. Amen? Amen? And so in unsettled moments, we need to turn towards God. Sometimes he speaks through a trusted friend, a mentor, a pastor. Sometimes he speaks through a stranger. Amen. So when, when we, our time was up in Dalton, the last church we pastored, I, could, I had a hard time hearing it. Beth began to hear like two years before me. Our time is up, our time is up, our time. They, guys, you know it's the truth. They hear better than we do. But anyway. <laughs> and so Beth and a girl she's mentoring are at Chick-fil-A. And God always speaks at Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. <laughs> a total stranger came in and walked over and said, the Lord says to you, it's time to leave. She looked at her friend that she was mentoring, a 20-year-old girl, 20-something-year-old girl. And she said, you better write this down. Eddie's not going to believe it. <laughs> Listen, listen, my friends, God will meet you where you are. He will demonstrate his love, but we have to be looking. Amen. And see, I think the way we set our gaze, we set our filter to see divine interruptions, to see divine de- uh, demonstrations, divine interaction, is first we have to receive the greatest demonstration of all time, which is Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, you have to be spiritually awakened. You have to be born again. You never see God with natural eyes. I know there are special moments. Mary and Joseph were not born again yet. There were special moments in the Old Covenant, but we're not in the Old Covenant any longer. And God wants to meet you, and he will meet you at your point of hunger. So when the rug's pulled out, when you get news you don't understand, before you turn outward, turn inward and turn upward. Turn into your heart and turn your heart to God and to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, and to the people of God. How many of you do, I mean, we're in church, right? And so you come in on Sundays and then you begin to miss old brother Fred. Where's Fred? Where is Fred? Why wasn't Fred here? Well, Fred had the rug torn out from under him. And so rather than turning to the people of God, so many times we turn inward We start blaming and accusing. But, you know, the Scripture says, are any of you sick? Let them call for the elders. Man, we've got to turn. To find divine interruption, a lot of times we've got to turn towards the Word of God and the people of God and watch and see what God will do. There's a theologian named Al Sterling. He once said this. He said, God will speak to you in one of two ways. He will whisper in your ear or he will smack you upside the head with a brick. Listen to this. This is so good. Listen for the whisper because the brick is going to hurt every time. Isn't that true? Listen, listen. 
I, I've had one of those weeks, we didn't, and I don't, I don't know if we told the elders and board and pastors about Beth's dad because he was unfortunately on the long journey with Alzheimer's. And so we didn't know how long it was gonna be, but, but like they found a mass like a week ago, 10 days ago, and and then, you know, I had to go have some stuff burned off my head. I didn't expect to. I just thought, you know, do, 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 do. I thought that he would look me over and go, aces. And then I broke my tooth on Friday. Hallelujah. <laughs> my friends call me lucky. No, I'm kidding. But listen, I want you to understand something. We have to make room. Everybody say make room. Make room. For God to speak to us. See, because God's love will bring clarity and comfort in difficult circumstances. So love chooses truth. Love welcomes divine or God's interruptions. Number three, you ready? Love beholds him in his name or in a new name. I love this. See, I'm known by different titles and names. You know, to some people on the planet, I'm dad. To one person on the planet, I'm son. To, to one person on the planet, I'm husband. To a lot of people, I'm pastor. To some people, I'm coach. I have different roles, different titles. There's different ways that I'm known. And when the rug is pulled out from under you, watch, watch now. Look and see if God wants to reveal himself to you in a new name and in a new way. Yeah, look in Matthew again, 123. And he quotes, the, the angel quotes scripture, right? Behold, the virgin shall bear a child. Look at this. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Luke, what God speaks to Mary, behold, you will bring forth a son, his name will be Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne. You see, the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh God, Jehovah God, as he was known, they, the Jews knew him as those names, they knew him as those place names. You know, Abraham knew him as Jehovah Jireh, right? Well, how did he get that revelation? Up on the hillside, he's offering his son. And see, in a crisis moment, I don't know about you, but that'd be a crisis moment for me. Amen. You know, the Lord God who you know, you know it's the voice of God. Amen. <laughs> you know it's the voice of God and not the voice of the devil. Amen. And listen, Abraham didn't have a plan B. He wasn't negotiating. He'd made his mind up. Amen. But he knew by faith. Remember what he told his helper? Me and the boy will come back tomorrow this time. But at that moment when God provided the ram, Abraham knew God in a new way. He went from being the God that met him in Mesopotamia to the God who provides. Amen. What about Moses, remember, when he's at the burning bush? Who should I say sent us? He knew the names that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had known. But God says, no, no, no. Tell them that I am sent you. What about Jacob? I love Jacob. Jacob's running from his brother Esau. Puts his head down on a rock to take a little nap. That's one desperate dude. And God appears to him and he names the place El Bethel, the God of the house of God. You see, listen to me. When the rug is torn out from under you, we can ask why or what, which those are not terrible questions. It's not wrong, I'm not chastising you, but I think too many times in modernity we get stuck at the why, why me, why us, why my family? 
And see, listen, listen, Mary and Joseph didn't camp out at the why. Amen. They moved on to the who. Yes. Who do you want to be to me? And he shows up and says, the prophet Isaiah said, he shall be called Emmanuel. With us is God, or God with us. And he said to Joseph and Mary, both his name will be Jesus, which means the Lord saves. Amen. Listen, listen to me. You might get the phone call. You might get the news. All of us are going to go through difficult seasons. It's the human experience in the fallen state. But when we do, are we going to run from God or are we going to run to him and ask him, who do you want to be in this moment to me? Who can you be to this moment that I wouldn't experience you in any other way? Come and be that, Lord. Come and be my healer, my comfort. Come and be revelation to me. Come and be strength in my spirit. Come and show yourself strong. You see, what happens when we seek him? See, I think at some points the Pentecostal charismatic movement missed it here because we thought seeking him would bring some prize, like in a Cracker Jack box. Listen to me. Look at me. The reward and the prize of seeking him is more of him. Amen. And I'm telling you, there are times when he moves in supernatural might and heals. There are times when the check comes in the mail. There are times where you go fishing and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. There are supernatural moments. But is he enough when he shows up and says, I am here? The angels and the four living creatures, the prophets say, and the book of the Revelation say, it says they fly back and forth in glory, always beholding him, crying one phrase, holy, holy, holy. One theologian says it's because every time he turns just a little, they see a new facet of him and they're fascinated with his beauty, with his holiness, with his glory, with his power. Come on, there's enough of him that we would never be bored. In the middle of your pain, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your sickness, in the middle of struggle and strife, he is enough if we'll wait for him. Amen. If we'll direct our love towards him and our love towards one another, then he will come in power and reveal himself to us in a new way. God's love brings clarity to difficult situations. You see, love beholds him, love chooses him, love welcomes his interruptions. And watch this, here's the last one, you ready? Love obeys him. Then Mary said, look at these two phrases, it blows my mind. Then Mary said, behold, let it be to me according to your word. Amen. Now you gotta get this now. She could have said no. The God of the Bible is not Zeus. He doesn't trick women and take things. Amen. He offered she could have said, I'm out. But when the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, this which will be born in her, she said, be it to me according to your word. Amen. Jo Matthew 1.25, how did Joseph respond? Look at this. And he did not know her until she brought forth the son. Amen. Now that's King Jamesian euphemism to mean they didn't relate in an adult marital way. You know, I believe that once he heard from the angel, he said, she's too, it's too holy. What's happening there is too holy. Yeah. I'm marrying her and I'm going to take care of her. But that's the living temple of God right now. And he remembered the Old Testament stories of Uzzah. He remembered when they moved the tabernacle improperly and Uzzah reached out to study it, study it and was struck down. And Joseph said, no, sir, I'm going to obey God. 
that is God. That's my wife, but that is God. Amen. Listen to me, my friends. In the middle of crisis, in the middle of not knowing, in the middle of difficult things, when God reveals himself to you, he might just give you new marching orders. And in those moments, your response has to be, be it unto me according to your word. I will obey. I will obey, no matter how difficult. When, when God spoke to us to leave Dalton, let me tell you something. Oh, I didn't want to. We had it made. We had turned that church around. It was healthy. It was growing. My boys lived there. I could have stayed there the rest of my life. But once we knew that it was Lord, once the Lord revealed to us, we had to say yes. Yes to the unknown. Yes to the difficult. But yes to the one who said he would never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. See, that's what he's calling all of us to. You see, when there are divine demonstrations of love in our life, when God reveals himself to us in a new way and he gives us new orders, we can respond one or two ways. We can get the response of self or the response of love. Joshua understood that, didn't he? That's why he declared, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You see, but there's a tendency in the human heart to want to make a golden calf. Moses is up on the mountain getting revelation, meeting God in a new way, and the children of Israel are whining for leeks and onions. And they say to Aaron, give us a God. Give us a, help us and Aaron takes and fashions a God that they can see. Listen, listen, listen. You've got to get this. Now watch, watch, watch. Sometimes, in order to have the peace that passes understanding, you've got to give up understanding and trust in your God. See, so you can have understanding or you can have peace, but sometimes you can't have both. And Mary and Joseph did not understand and I think to much of us in the world, because we've read the book, we think Mary and Joseph had the book. They didn't. Amen. They couldn't turn back. They couldn't even quote Old Testament passages other than some pre pre prophetic moments. But she couldn't pat him on the hand and say, hey, it's in Luke. You can trust me. <laughs> Listen, some of us, even though we have the book, we're going to walk into some moments that are going to feel out of control. And in those moments, can I encourage you to choose the response of love, to choose to hear him, to interact with him in a new way, and then to choose to obey. 1 John 5, 3 says this, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We have to believe again that God's ways are better and God's ways are best. Amen. When God says, thou shalt not lie, he's not trying to limit your creativity. He knows that real relationships are built on trust and trust is built on truth. Amen. And so when we say yes to him, what happens is it begins to change our life and we become carriers of the presence just like Mary and Joseph. See, here's the truth. When God speaks, reveals himself to us in a new way through his word or by prophetic revelation or any other way, when we obey it changes our life. You see, everybody wants revival, but nobody wants to change. And listen, you can make changes or you make excuses, but you can't have both. And so too often, what we want to do is blame someone else while we're not having personal revival. 
Sometimes revival doesn't happen in the house until it happens at your house. And see, and Mary and Joseph postured themselves in love to receive divine interruption. And then experienced God in the interruption and then obeyed the interruption. Let me close with this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you know it. Now abide these three things, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. See, faith and hope are at the top of the list, but love is the greatest. See, faith is crucial to Christianity. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six. And faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see, Hebrews eleven one. But one day, faith is going to give way to sight, and foggy is going to become suddenly clear. And hope is our essential for those who follow Jesus. We certainly have great hope based on facts, evidence, and witnesses in the God who created us, gave his life for us, and will return for us once and for all. This is the second advent. He is coming again. Amen. When that future day becomes reality, but then Paul says, that's great, faith and hope, but the greatest of these is love. Love is defined in action. Love chooses, love welcomes, love receives, love beholds, and love obeys. So listen, God's love, God's love, let me say it one more time, brings clarity to uncertain situations. Amen. And we want to develop love for God and love for others. How do we do that? How do we do that? See, they asked Jesus one day, you remember the story, right? Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? He gives them the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I give you a new commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, as we peer into his word, his word transforms us. His word ignites love for us in him. See, it's a little misnomer because in Hebrew, the word, the word uh, hear, hear, O Israel, Shema carries a different connotation. In English, we think listen. In Hebrew, they think receive and obey. And so when God reveals himself to us in a new way, we discover who he is and who he's becoming in our lives. And then we receive his love, then we give his love away. So, so what, right? I've talked to you for a few minutes. Now, so what? So what? Here's what. You ready? So what? I'm challenging you to discover love for God and love for self and love for others. In his love, discover who he wants you to be. See, it doesn't matter if you're three, four, five, whatever, you know, the age of accountability is where someone gets born again, all the way up to the last breath on earth. We're always being transformed by the love of God, right? That's what the scripture says, that he's transforming us. For Christians in the room, he's changing us from what? From glory unto glory. And that happens as we behold him. We behold him in his word. We behold him in private and in public worship. Listen, I love worshiping here. Terry and the teams that you all had here, every time I'm here, they do a great job. But listen, it's just a snack compared to what happens in my bedroom. How many know that there's some things you do behind private walls that you don't do in public? 
let those who have ears to hear. See, there's an intimacy that you can achieve in private that you can't in public. And I'm encouraging you to get alone. Put on uh, whatever worship music you have or if you're musical, sing. Open up and worship the Lord at home. Worship him in your car. And then when you get here, Katie, bar the door. We won't be able to hold you back. You see, but if you've been doing it at home, it won't take you an hour to warm up when you get here. Who do you want to be? Now, okay, so that's the so what, now what, now what, now what. I want you to ask him as we close today, who do you want to be in my life, in this situation that I couldn't have seen you any other way? And how can I reveal your love to those around me? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you today. Terry, why don't you come back on up? Why don't you stand all over the room? I made it. Y'all saw me turn my mic off and make a special request. I want us to sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. And while we do that, if the prayer team's here, why don't you come on up, prayer team? Maybe some of you here today, and you're in the middle of an uncertain circumstance. You feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you. You feel like you've gotten the phone call. You've gotten the diagnosis. You have needs today. I believe the Lord is here to meet you at your point of need. And I also believe that he wants to reveal himself to you. Maybe you're here today, and you're not in an uncertain moment. Can I encourage you to still seek the Lord? Because life is very uncertain on this planet, but God is very good, amen? And that we're gonna just worship for a second and just behold Him and see what Holy Spirit wants to do after that. Can we do that? Amen, let's sing together. Thank you, Terry. sing one more verse but I felt the Holy Spirit just drop in my heart perhaps you're here today or you're watching on video and you're just discouraged 
You feel like I've done all those things. I've, I've, Eddie, I've tried to love God. And I just feel empty and discouraged. But the last thing we ever want you to feel here is beat up. I'm here with good news for you today. Can I say this to you? Hold on. Hang on. We don't know how long it was between the news got out and the angel visit Joseph. I know in my life it probably wasn't the next day. It could have been. It's not clear in Scripture. But what if it was weeks? What if she was showing first? Some of you are here today and you're just a weary of holding on. I'm not going to call you forward, but would you be bold enough to say, that's me, I'm discouraged, I'm a little weary. Just put your hand up and drop it right back down. I want to pray for you. No condemnation. I've been there. I might have been there this week. <laughs> I was telling Paula, sometimes you get to walk through what you're going to preach. But it's real when it happens that way. Father, right now, we come before you, your people, thanking you that, Lord, you came to Mary. You came to Joseph. And you met their old covenant love. Well, Lord, we're standing here and New Testament Christians. Better promises built on better blood. Saying that we're discouraged. We're empty. We're tired. We're weary. We don't understand. We've been asking the why. And now we're asking the who. Who do you want to be? Would you come? Would you meet us with a divine interruption, with a divine demonstration of your love? Would you come and show yourself strong this Advent season? Lord, we believe that you came. We know you're coming again. You're going to ultimately come and establish your rule and your reign forever. But in the meantime, would you come afresh to me? Maybe someone in this room just needs to say amen right there. Would you come afresh in my life, in my family, to that prodigal child? Would you come and release yourself, reveal yourself, show your glory? God, we need you. I release hope. I release faith. And I release love in this room. Would you just receive the love of God right now? I'm going to teach you something. To receive a crop of love, you've got to plant a love seed. So this is how we're going to close. I'm going to ask Terry to lead us one more time through. And can I ask you, you say, well, I don't want to be fake. I don't feel it. Listen, that's the world's way. That's not the Bible way. The Bible's way is you worship what you don't feel. That's called walking in faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not led by our feelings. We lead our feelings. And so as we go back in to sing, I want you to just sow a love seed to Him. Sow an adoration seed. Sow a seed of love and believe that you're going to reap a harvest in your life and in your relationships. Lord, I believe that your healing hurts right now. You're rolling off disappointment and you're imparting Holy Ghost love all over this room as we worship you. Come on, let's sing this through one more time. Can we do that together, family?